Hey folks, welcome to a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. We got a special one for you today. One that could not have happened without the fans. I mean, we we would be remiss to not mention that, but we're today's discussion is Zack Snyder's Justice League, which premiered a few days ago on HBO Max. It sure did. Uh, last Thursday... Um, I watched it on Saturday. You watched it in a couple of parts, right? I did three. I started it Thursday. I finished it Saturday. Uh, I had a blast watching it. Um, uh, yeah, hell how yeah. Do you, how, do you, how about you? I had a blast watching it too. I, um, I'd, so it's a four-hour movie. I watched it in about six hours. Like I took two breaks here and there. Um, but like my intention was to like get through it on Saturday, not to like wait until Sunday to finish it, um, which I kind of am glad I did. Although at the end of it, I was like, I need a nap. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of movie, (laughs) you know? Um, I want to say that. So this episode, if you're curious about how we discuss or how we felt about the plot of justice league, May I remind you, Frank and I covered the original Justice League version, Season 2, Episode 24 of the podcast. So if you're curious how we felt about the the general plot, that's kind of where you should live for this episode. This episode, I think, is going to be a little bit different, a little bit more paired with what's actually going on here. And And I remember watching that movie. We we went together. Yeah, that was the first one. right, Right when I got back to New York. And, uh, we, yeah, so that was like a moment. And if I remember, I feel like we had positive ish things to say, but we were also kind of like, it doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere, which is kind of a bummer. And we were sad that we weren't going to get justice league sequels. I think that at that time, you know, it was so fun to go and experience it together, but also to see the Justice League realized, yeah, which I think is something that Warner's didn't really factor in of how important that was to the fandom. That much like the Avengers, but also different in a way that the idea of multiple DC Comics superheroes coming together had not only been part of pop culture since the seventies, mind you, mm-hmm. that. Like we were always anxious to see what these characters would look like together. And this, the, the justice league version, the 2017 Joss version, you know, I just want to state this for the record and, you know, kind of like they do in these cases. I just, I need to say this. And and, and that is, I saw a lot of shit online this week and a lot of hate, a lot of nasty shit said to Joss Whedon um, regarding his take of the Justice League. Now, whatever's going on with him personally and Me Too and all that stuff, that's separate from what I'm saying right now because he's an asshole if he's an asshole. And I don't believe that if all these people came out to say he was an asshole, that he hasn't been an asshole. I'm... For totally sure. with all of these people and, and Ray Fisher and everybody. But maybe it's easy to look at Joss Whedon and pick him as the enemy when really it's the executives at Warner Brothers. And I know that that may seem ex- uh, 
not really taking the blame at, you know, the filmmaker involved. But I also want to take a step back and kind of focus on, like, how much of the time, you know, in 2017, after Batman vs. Superman, that Zack Snyder was being ridiculously and stupidly just shit upon for no reason. And that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, because, like, if you look at the two movies, like, and we'll get to it, they're not all that different, you know? Like, the the bones are the same. Like, a lot of the meat is the same. And and so to, to say, like, oh, everything that, that Joss Whedon did, it like, I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. I think the directives came from above, and he was just there to implement their vision because they didn't want to go with Zack Snyder's vision anymore. Totally, and... It's easy for the Warner's people to be like, yeah, it's totally his fault. Fuck this guy. Because that's the, the place that he's at in Hollywood. Right. But that's not going to be where he's at forever. Regardless of what his legacy may become in the future, he still brought us the first Avengers. He still did and show ran Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he has some value. So this isn't in any way apologetic for him. Or saying that what he did wasn't wrong or wasn't okay. But I'm I'm just saying to you that as movie fans, as movie nerds, as I would definitely describe us as doing the podcast, maybe your anger is misplaced. And I want you to think about, while we listen to the rest of the, what we're about to say, that while Joss is easy to be the scapegoat of what happened here, he is certainly not the ire of your anger. And he shouldn't be. And what we really should be thinking about is why the studio was so quick to dump Zack Snyder and why internet culture should not be allowed to run everything, right? Like the idea that <laughs> these fucking people online were like, oh my God, Batman vs Superman is not a very good movie. Fuck this guy and fuck his vision. We all just want Marvel. And then for them to literally get the man who made Marvel the billion dollar mark into the fucking driver's seat of this movie who totally redirected not necessarily the plot of this movie but i would say the comedic edge and where the comedy uh juxtaposed the action throughout the film uh you know it, it, it's not right right and but to, but to me to right. counter really quickly the internet peoples are also the ones that got us this cut of the movie Exactly. And and that's why we have to be judicious and righteous in our internet fervor. You know, we have to really think about what we're doing and what we're lobbying for because ultimately I think we do have a lot of power now. Much more so than we did earlier on. Yeah. But we should be wielding this power correctly and judiciously, but also with a sense of understanding that the things that we want just aren't gonna automatically come to fruition. So I think with that said, I'm so excited to nerd out about this movie. I think, you know, the way that this movie is made made me remember how I fell in love with Zack Snyder. Yeah. I mean, you were just saying that before. It's like I I, I would not even say that I'm like a super fan. I definitely haven't seen all of his movies, but, you know, 300 was was a huge, like, I don't know, it was a change, right? It was a cultural moment. Yeah. And it, it came at a time as Warners 
kind of had taken the idea, you know what? The different studios are trying to make these Marvel movies. They're all going after big characters. They're all becoming silly. Like, we have so many great stories within the graphic novel versions of our great DC comic liturgy. Let's dig into that. So they dig into that for the first time with the Wachowskis with the Matrix, but more so with V for Vendetta because V for Vendetta was a very big graphic novel. Yep. And then after that, they turn to Zack Snyder and they say, dude, let's do another Frank Miller, but a different version, 300. And this was a global success, a global phenomenon. It really was. And it's been a long time since I've seen it, but like, this, yeah, this this cut feels like like a return to form for him, and maybe because he he didn't have the same restrictions that he has over the past couple of years. Well, I think if you remember back to that time, right, we were just getting into the very stylized action, you know, movie blockbusters, Sin City. Yeah, uh, two thousand six. Think about. Um, the, the Coen brothers did Burn After Reading right around there, which was very uh, campy and kind of had a lot of major tropes that, that were running through this movie. It, it seemed it was just a very different time. And we had already seen uh, the Wachowskis absolutely murder V for Vendetta. So when 300 comes out, which is this very the original graphic novel, I think, is only 13, 14 pages. It's not very much. What. Uh, Zach was able to do with that, you know, storyline was delve back into a really fun, you know, cultural historical moment. You know, the idea that, you know, the per the German, the excuse me, the Persians, the Germans, the Greeks really beat back the Persians in this great fight that's his historically relevant. You know, based on the, the writings of Herodotus and other, you know, big uh, Pliny the Elder, uh, big you know, historical writers at that time. See, I'm a fucking nerd. All right. <laughs> you motherfuckers don't know, but I'm an archeologist. Like I literally lived for a year in Israel digging and doing actual shit. So his dream was to be Indiana Jones, everybody <laughs> more or less like it kind of came true. Like it's, it's real, uh, dudes. Like I, I, I know this shit. So when they're able to kind of tell the story in a new, but stylized and very fun way, you also have the performances, Gerard Butler, Michael Fassbender. We all forget Michael Fassbender. Our favorite, our favorite, favorite, favorite is like his, one of his debuts is 300. I honestly uh, did forget. Thank you for reminding me. Dude, he's the, he's awesome. He's the smiley guy who says to die a noble death. Like, and that brings back his whole thematic stuff that he's doing, you know? And then you get to, uh, 2009 where warners is still saying you know what we don't need to dig into our major characters let's do watchmen i saw what i saw 300 in theaters at comac but i saw watchmen in college in albany mm. at the imax there i remember, I remember we were like trading it. around the, the graphic novel like that summer we were all reading it and trying to get ready for the movie um and, and as maligned as that is, it's still pretty good. Like, I, I think that there's a lot to be said that he went in a new direction. He did a different angle. He didn't do the main storyline. And, you know, after covering the whole Watchmen series, I think that there's still value 
in the original we, uh Snyder we may cut yet of his movie. go watch that movie and talk about it it's it seems it's between relevant. it's after 2008 it's yeah. in our it's in our <laughs> sweet spot for this year um yeah man i i can't stress enough like how much we loved Zack snyder and how this movie so feels like a return to form especially in the amazonian uh parts oh, the yeah. The great oh, the score from Junkie XL. Yeah, like all that stuff feels. And then, like honestly, like the final battle kind of feels that way too. And it's just, it, it he had. I feel like that there was a level of like he had to shift gears when he we he went to Man of Steel, um, because the the character and just like the maybe maybe the baggage and just like because of Warner Brothers and just everything with with DC Comics that you have to kind of do it still feels like a Zack Snyder movie but it is definitely light <laughs> and so yeah. it started to churn in the different direction and like you see that in Batman v Superman a lot but when you get to the the Justice League from 2017 it's like totally gone um and so here it it, it does feel that we've got him back and this is his vision this is what he wanted to do all along um and you know for better or for worse i think if we if it had been seen through uh you know like and we'll get to the <laughs> the problems with it and some of its strengths but like it you you'll, you'll go with the director the the person that's got the vision behind it and let them see it through um maybe give them an editor too but <laughs> i totally agree with you yeah so this movie, you know, when you watch it, it's meant to feel like how you would have seen it in IMAX because it's shot in a four by three format, which is not too dissimilar from standard television format, but really More specific, for, I think it's 1.33 to one is what they call it. Um, get the fuck out. Come on. Which is like, it's bigger than a square, but it's, it's not a rectangle. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not a rectangle. And well, I, I think it was cool to play with the aspect ratio for the home release because this is how he wanted to show it. And I'm sure that the people who did get to check it out in the theaters who saw it probably thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, this didn't really work for the home release. And I this is one of the things that, again, I, I feel like is something that somebody at Warner's should have told to Zach and said, dude, like this movie is really not going to be viewed by people in, in theaters. It's going to be viewed by people at home. We need you to get it ready for a widescreen, if not full screen experience for the TV home viewing environment. I think the, the but, my, and the, by saying do it in your own way, you let the end user complain to Zack Snyder why this looks like this. I think you maybe assume that there's more back and forth between Warners and Zach on this. I, I truly think they just said, okay, go ahead, do it. Cause he's not getting paid for it. He's not like no one's editing him. It's just like truly what his vision. And it's just like kind of like content creator to user and through HBO max because it's the Warner brothers characters. I don't know if there was much involvement, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I didn't hate it. I think like, 
you're absolutely right. It works in theaters. It doesn't necessarily work at home, but it brings up a bigger problem that like we were talking about last week with, with Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's like, we all have 16 by nine TVs guys. <laughs> like, yep. Can we just make that be the format, please? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like in Wanda, they knew that we had this whole big TV, you know, and they were happy to be like, okay, go, you know, look at this, but now you got to look at this to be in the aspect ratio of what's going on over here. No, I, I think it's stupid. And personally, I'd rather see something fill up my screen with color and excitement mm. than put black bars I, on either I, side. I guess it doesn't bother me as much because I've been watching so much Star Trek over the past like two years. Uh, well, la di da number two. Well, I'm just saying that like every episode of that on, on uh, Netflix is in four by three. And so I'm not like, it doesn't phase me as much anymore, but yes, on a brand new movie. I mean, what did wonder woman look like? I don't remember. Was it, did it fill the screen? Probably not. No, definitely not. And it's like, I, the thing I actually hate more is when, when it changes throughout the movie, it's like, Oh, it's this section shot for IMAX. And this section isn't, um, I thought it worked for WandaVision because it was like, oh, we're in the show. We're out in the main MCU universe. Like that, that was kind of a cool way to play with it, but I don't think it necessarily was out of necessity. I think they did that for creatively, right? I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just odd, you know, I don't know. Um, okay. So moving right along, let's talk about that. There's six parts of this movie. See, I used these as stopping points. Um, you didn't. No, I did. Did I did. I did. Okay. How did you feel about the six parts? Uh, it sort of was like, I don't know. It just seemed like, okay, this is a good part to pause at. It's because, like, you know, if you're watching something, you're like, fuck, I've got to pee. It's like, okay, have they done talking? Go. Like, I <laughs> I I think I uh it was sort of out of necessity. I it was like I think I watched the first two parts, paused for like an hour, then I was like cuz it's they're all different lengths too, you know? It's not like I think a lot of the the end it's like 5 and 6 are really long. Um and uh I think I stopped after 5 maybe for a little bit. I was like, "Oh, crap, we're almost at the end here. Uh I need to go do a few things." Um, maybe in hindsight, I would have done it differently, but where did you break it up? So I did one and two, three and four and five and six. Okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And it was great. It felt like nice places, natural places to stop. They did. Yeah. You could definitely see that they were thinking mini series. <laughs> they were, <laughs> uh, you know. I think that that definitely would have worked. I think so. I mean, I, I I did find myself reflecting and being like, man, this part is great. Like, like thinking about episodes, right? And like, th this one is really solid. And like, I, I, right now, I mean, we're looking at the list of them. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened in each one. Whereas like, if we had it in an episodic series over weeks, it's like, okay, now I can remember what happened in episode one, two, three, four, five, six. It also is because we also have seen this movie before. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's interesting when you watch it and, and it, you know, it, it does have different parts, whereas when you're watching, you know, a regular movie or even a Marvel movie, it doesn't feel like it has parts, you know, and, 
and you don't need to delineate which segment is from part of which segment. It's all just one movie. Yeah, and um, t- typically you've got your like three, maybe four acts or something, and that's kind of like how it's done. Like the big rising fall of action. Like, I don't know if it necessarily follows that so much here. Um, and if if so, it's like combined parts will get you those like acts. I think. I agree. I, you know. I don't think it would have worked for the theatrical cut. I think it does work for streaming. I think it was a tremendous mistake to to release this all together. I understand Zach wanted to do it that way. I disagree with him here. Why? Because the way that Wanda captivated the goal, the globe with Wanda's story, not even talking about Mandalorian, leave Mandalorian to the side. Think about Wanda and the way that Wanda en- engulfed the world in this kind of discussion about who is the big bad, who you know, what's really going on, who's she fighting. I think that Justice League would have benefited tremendously had they said, you know what, we should go week to week or we should go every couple of weeks and release different chunks and create that buzz and bring on even more subscribers. I get the idea that you needed to sell this to the fanboys and that you had to put it all up together at once combined with the idea that Zack Snyder said, no, this is a movie and I don't want people to have to wait week to week. Uh, but yeah, I think that this would have really succeeded as a show. I I think it could have, but I think again, I think with it being so similar to the original, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like yes. Why? Why wait? No, that's uh, that's true. Yeah, you know that's something that really did boggle my mind. That this but, movie yeah. is not even one percent off the original plot of what the twenty seventeen version is. I they really were selling it that way, right? And everything like all the marketing, all the I mean, th- there are a lot of differences, don't get me wrong, but like we were going in thinking this is gonna be like an alternate universe. <laughs> like Right. That the the re- results in, of the plot were gonna take us down such a like different path. And uh, you know, like think about like, oh we were just talking about days of future past, like the whole fucking river of time thing that Hank was talking about. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's just like a little different. It's like, it's just a little different. You know, it's so weird. I, it, what it does is it speaks to Zach's vision, which was that this was his plan from the get go and that they did too much work on this idea to really differentiate it very much. We have a outer world threat. We need Superman back. We deal with the outer world threat you know to which extent do we tease what's coming later that is the main difference i would say and 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 the character development and establishing the characters because it's largely not done in the other movie whereas there's a lot more done here um more some more than others um and I, i think it maybe was out of like okay, Aquaman, he was about to get his next movie. Wonder Woman's going to get her next movie, and and she was just in BVS. Uh, we need to focus on Cyborg and um, and The Flash. And that, that that's a little bit more meaty in this version. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, I keep going back to this thing that, like, 
we just watched Batman versus Superman, the ultimate edition, three hours. This is four hours. And if, if this was his plan all along, like what, if, if he was going to do justice league two and justice league three, and they were all going to be this like dense, (laughs) maybe there was more ways that it could have been split up. And like, how we were talking before of like uh, maybe Batman versus Superman was like actually three different movies and it was a Superman movie, a, a Batman movie and the, then the crossover. And then this is maybe less needed to set up so much because you, you've already looked at those characters a little bit more and you could really focus on the new ones. I just, there's so much content there and I think so much is really rich and it would be so great to see on screen. Uh, but I, I think what we're getting at is that there, the limitations of a studio um, based on the format are, are, are really hindering some people's creative visions, right? Like there you like, you can't, yes. you can't put out a movie over three hours because people are used to seeing movies that are shorter and they want to, you know, have bathroom breaks and they want to do this. Same thing happens on TV, on network television. It's like, well, we need this many commercial breaks and it's got to only be 42 minutes and or 22 minutes and 30 seconds long. It's like, it sucks that there are so, these kind of limitations when we're talking about something creative. Like think about like yeah. everything we do. And like, we even have our own restrictions. We're like, Oh, podcast can't be this long because people will stop listening. But like, at what point can we just be like, well, movies are going to have intermissions again. I've sat through plenty of four hour operas in my day and like it was done back then. Like, why can't we move into that now? I just, it, it's crazy to me. However, there's also this opportunity that we have now with the streaming services out there that you could do this and you could release it over time. And it, it seems like, yeah, in this case, maybe it would have been beneficial, but I'm looking more toward the future, like other things that Zack Snyder wants to do or other people like maybe there's these uh, long form storytelling. I I can't lobby for this enough. Zack Snyder should be given a Star War. Um, I don't care what he wants to do. I totally don't give a shit. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. He lives in a universe where Star Wars has their own individual movies and stories. They sh- Kathleen Kennedy should be on the phone with him yesterday to say, Zach, we want you to do a Star Wars. Whatever it is, you get one movie. Make it good, you get more. One movie. <laughs> Go for it. One six-hour movie from Zach Snyder. <laughs> yeah, but, well, no, I would say you get you get three hours, dude. We're going to cut you back from there in the, in the cutting room, but shoot me three hours of a great movie. And I'm sure he could make that. And I'm sure he would be thrilled to have the kind of bank and fandom behind him. You know what I mean? To say, dude, like, we get it. Like, we want to go in a new direction, too. We're going out in all different directions. Do you think he has any interest in Star Wars? I think he has huge interest in Star Wars. If you remember the marketing images he was putting out while he was making Batman vs. Superman, um, I think he has huge interest in Star Wars. Okay. And he's also discussed doing his own Seven Samurai Jedi movie himself. Okay. I mean, I'd be um, down. I just, I guess more of like, like, is he, would it be Star Wars or would it be Marvel? Like, I, that's what I'm wondering. Um, but 
because he, no, he, I don't think you give him anything to do with Marvel. I don't think he fits in that world. But I think you say, Zach, you need a Star War. Go do go do it. That's fine. Okay. And you say, dude, it, it doesn't exist within any continuity. Like, and so you give him that freedom to say whatever movie you make, whatever powers or things you do, don't worry about it. <laughs> like Star Wars. With you want to have an X-wing next Justice to a League. fucking droid fighter? That's fine. We don't care. You know. And then the uh, Justice League shows up, and then then wow, and then all the Avengers come in, right, and then everything then you, explodes. That, <laughs> you see, that's why he's bad. That's why it's not good. Um, um yeah. So, okay, <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, so we talked about the the six parts. Let's talk about the um the major differences and then we'll get into the rated R and the tone and other, other stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, do you think just really quick, do you think that if tragedy didn't happen and that, that he didn't leave the project, I mean, we would have gotten a justice league movie in 2017. It probably wouldn't have been two hours. It probably wouldn't have been four hours. Maybe there's some middle ground that would have actually released in cinema that looks more like what we saw this weekend, right? Yeah. Because um, mm. I wonder, like, uh, I mean, th- that's the, what we yeah. don't know, right? We don't know how much they were. The pushed. alternate universe within which Snyder didn't have such a terrible family tragedy, thus releasing this movie and Warner's having to deal with the aftermath therein. Good question. Because, like, that's what I'm like. Are would we be in better position to have more Justice League movies from him than we currently are? But that's maybe a question for later. No, I think they were looking for a way to get Zack Snyder out because of the internet hate, and that the reaction to Batman vs Superman was so negative before people had seen the ultimate cut that it was enough for Warner's to be want to be done with Zack anyway. And I don't know, looking back at the way things have kind of unfolded, that any of the actors nor Zach had ever signed those long-term contracts like people do with Marvel. Yeah. Where they were like, you're not just in for Avengers, but Avengers 2, 3, 4. You know, like, I don't think that was ever on the table. I think it was just like, you do Justice League, and then you have options of what could be in the next things. Well, I do think that at one point they – kind of did announce two Justice League movies. And I, I think a second one had a date. And it would have been d- directed by Zack Snyder. But at what point that got cut down into just this, I don't remember and I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't... It, was it going to be something like the, what they did with Infinity War Endgame? That was what it sounded like that it was going to be part one, part two. Like, could it just have been two movies released? I have no idea. No, you... They... And this is where we can kind of dip back in, I think, before we get into the next larger discussion. As much as I think this is a a successful idea in its current form, there's something to be said about the fact that this is a plus three-hour movie. And that is just, like, commercially inviable, commercially not realistic, and doesn't really hold weight or carry water in the world of superhero movies as we know them. So, like, even so, like, as much as this is good and I'm so happy his vision was realized and 
he was definitely, um, you know, uh, lifted up and uh, what's what's that? You know, ex- exculpated. He was exculpated from the fault of making Justice League bad. Like inherently, this idea is wrong. This shouldn't be four hours. And to tie in with the larger point coming next, the Justice League does not and shouldn't be inherently rated R. Hmm. So, like, yeah, your movie is too long for the format of for which the movies come out in, and it's too dark for what the subject matter should have probably been. Right. Well, so I have a question then. Yeah. What makes something like Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy in their extended edition format where the return of the king is nearly four hours right what makes that okay because is it because of the books that they were that dense and that correct it's it's the combination of of the books and the fact that we were able to release dvd versions at that time so that you could do both at the same time you could both read and you could see the extended version. There is no, you know, uh, you know, rated R version of the Justice League and the classic Golden Age or Silver Age comics as we know them. True. They they didn't get R rated until much much later, even if they were ever. You know what I mean? While at the same time, there isn't that level of, you know, commit. It's it. There isn't that rich, rich source material, you know. Even thinking about you know the main crux of the pitch of Steppenwolf to Darkseid, the anti-life equation. If you don't know anything about the anti-life equation, <laughs> which I did not, I'm gonna admit <laughs> I am not. That is that is not a salient selling point for the very heady and smart aspects of your franchise right it that's just like a not infinity stone idea and mm-hmm. <sighs> well you know i i don't think this movie could have could i don't think this movie could have existed any time other than now that's all i'm saying okay yeah i i guess like i mean it's two different problems right length and and, and content like they could you could take out the R elements, which has been done in movies before, but I, I just don't think that Justice League, similar to Avengers, right, like needs to be R. Like someone like uh, uh, Wolverine, Punisher, Deadpool, like they no, but it make does sense. need to be R. It does need to be R now because of Mandalorian and because of Wanda. That we know that they're never gonna go that dark. They're never gonna have gore. They're never gonna have the stakes that you could get to on a week to week TV show like the wire or HBO brings us. So it's only to be in this counterpoint idea. Absolutely. That you have this ultra violent, ultra dark, you know, streaming experience that is a counterpoint to Marvel. Like it it just, and which isn't to say that this wouldn't have been good on its own. Had they done it this way back then and said, dudes, like we got to go to streaming we would have been on board years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Like totally different approach. But I think it, before we go any further, let's talk about the main differences of this movie so that we can 
kind of sum up for anybody who who maybe didn't see the movie and is listening now um what Which, what they missed i mean i guess if you want to listen to us for an hour instead of watching a four-hour movie that makes sense but go watch the movie um there there's a bunch of different stuff i kind of tried to sum it up in some some bullet points um i mean like we were saying before like two characters of the justice league that really got shortchanged in the other version cyborg and flesh and I really like what was done here. And I think it makes the movie better with like, with adding more uh, of the, the character development and the plot and how like cyborg is so central to the, the plot this time around um, with everything with the mother boxes and his father and just like that whole arc that they go on. Um, and he really becomes like, and this is what one of the things that Zach's been telling us is that, He's kind of the heart of the movie. Um, and and I think it works. Who are you talking about? Cyborg. Yeah, in this version he is, but... Mm, I like the Flash as the heart of this movie. That's why I asked you. Um, I, I think that they both are two different parts, right? So you have Cyborg who like, got these powers, didn't want them. And you have Flash, who has these powers, doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different. And, and I think the way that the Flash lines are written in this movie are just so much better. They're not going for the joke in every ex- sense, where I feel like the Joss version is a much more like, this is a comedic character from the comics. Let's make every line he says very, very funny. Right. And that did not work. No. <laughs> and no this, I, yeah, I like him here, too. I love him here, and I think that you see him here, and you're like, oh, my God, Ezra Miller would be a great Flash. What a great <laughs> idea. Um, and he also, wants to be – he's like, oh, I'm in. Yeah, great. <laughs> I want to be a part of the team. I have no friends. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go. I'm down. Let's rock. I I loved him. I thought he was great. I thought Cyborg was good, but I didn't love him more than I loved Flash. And I think that, you know, unfortunately for Ray Fisher, I don't think he's going to have very good outcomes with the future of his cyborg character. I don't think not so. Only be, not only because he walked away and resigned the role, but how he kind of was dealt the shitty card. Um, it's not fair. No. It's not right. Um, you know, there are many other people of color who have joined the justice league in different respects. John Stewart as green lantern. Um, you know, you could look at Martian Manhunter in kind of a way as being somebody alternate than them, even though that would be not realistic to regular life. But, you know, to me, I think cyborg, um, while he's treated much better in this film, given much more motivation, given clear backstory, I wish he was more individualized in his characterization and not given such generic stuff. Well, That's, I think his yeah. his 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 parent stuff is really great, but his power set is very generic. Sorry. That that's a great point. Um I think I think the character of Victor Stone is better developed than the character of Cyborg. 100%. And I think there's a clear delineation there. Um so, uh, Flash, I think, 
you're we're, you're already talking about him, but I think like his powers here are, are shown in such cooler ways. Um, I mean, we like just from the get go, we see his uh, his rescue of Iris West, and we get that kind of stop time thing, like we like we do with Quicksilver in uh, the X Men movies, and the way but he's it's ele- but it's elevated. I I really got to hand off to Zach in that you know there had already been a couple of speedster sequences, and this felt felt very individual and super successful. Specifically, the car scene where he's applying for the job. Yes. I, it it just felt so specific to this movie. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it, I think my problem is it almost feels like a commercial for why a Flash movie needs to exist than, like, point. necessarily fitting into the plot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just – it was very cleverly done. I think there's a nice level of humor there. Um, and then just, like, later on when he uses his powers, uh, like, as a – like us as like a lightning rod, right? That he, in, in, in order to activate the mother boxes, I think that's kind of a cool way it was done. And it like, it increases the tension in both instances. Like the first time it's like, should we do this? I don't know. And then it just like, they do it very like, uh, <laughs> very vision, <laughs> but whatever, very vision. but whatever. Um, and then towards the end of the movie, uh, with, with this, the time travel stuff. Ooh, that was so fun. It's really, it gets exciting. You know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I definitely think flash is the center of this movie. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, let's well, talk about the, I, I mean, let's <laughs> talk about our other guys. Let's talk about the other bad, the big bads that play a much bigger role in this movie. The the center of this movie. I mean, like I, I, it's hard with the team, right? Like you've got wonder woman doing so much. You've got Batman doing so much. I don't think Superman is the center. That's for sure. No, he's got um, 22 minutes of screen time. And Aquaman doesn't do a whole lot. So, I mean, Batman's the leader. Um, and Definitely. And he's, he's got a lot to do. But I think they both, uh, the new newer characters, are, are, are better treated this time around. Um, Dark Side. Yeah. Uh, great to see him. Fully characterized. Um, voice and body and everything. Um, he's great. He's a Jack Kirby character, you know, so that, so the guy who created most of your favorite Marvel comics went on to create dark side. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, he's got kind of a different, you know, universe, a little bit more simplified than Thanos, which is a Jim Starlin character, two different guys. Um, you know, similar. Yes, but also different. Um, what'd you think? I yeah, I think he's different. I think uh while maybe he looks like Thanos and while he gets stabbed like Thanos, <laughs> I think I think his motivations are are different. Um and it's like he he's more out for for power. He he honestly he's more like Galactus in some ways or like Definitely. Um great way to explain that. And and I think that like he wants to he wants that that power and domination over as much as he can and you know just like destroying worlds and taking over worlds and and being the guy and so putting him here like i'm okay with i think he's in it enough he doesn't need to be in it completely he's not but like this time around you get this like greater threat that is coming 
that like makes sense with like what we saw in Batman v, uh, versus Superman and um, to have Steppenwolf be like not necessarily his like crony, but some like because we'll get to him in a second. His arc makes a lot more sense, like having them both here. I think works well and sets up the future, which we may never, ever see. <laughs> yeah, it was. Hmm. So that part is, is, is troubling in and of itself. I, you know, let's just talk about Steppenwolf. I think Steppenwolf is a very interesting, you know, pawn in this movie and that he is, you know, used to do this, but in this movie, he's given at least some kind of understanding of why he's doing this for Darkseid. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a major differentiation than the original movie where he's, you know, it's seen that maybe the mother box is somehow his mother or some mother figure that he's trying to recreate, which we don't see come to fruition in this version. So it's kind of interesting to imagine that they just imagined that other idea that like let's make the mother box step in wolf's mom okay <laughs> um but in this one they're like no that's stupid yep uh that was the smart move on their part what i think is interesting about steppenwolf in this is making him truly scary i thought his uh outfit was well not maybe something i would have rendered i think it was definitely alien and scary enough to make him a very threatening force anytime he came on screen. And I like the modulation with his voice. I don't think he needed to sound more human. I think they did a good job of making him sound alien and scary uh, and setting up a real reason why he would be doing this, that it's not just that he found the mother boxes in the anti-life equation, but he wants to get back to being by dark side. And right. that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I like the character arc. I think, you know, develop your villains you make a better movie and they this is done here um and you you get his motivations i i think his look is better um and yeah i do think he's threatening like it's he was able to you know defeat all the amazons (laughs) immediately (laughs) like uh so by the time you get to atlantis and there's like two guys guarding the fucking thing it's like okay (laughs) they ain't gonna last (laughs) So, um, but then we've got our, our new heroes and like that they can hold him off for as long as they can is, is substantial. Um, I mean, ultimately without the flash, he wins. You're right. So, uh, that's, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it was done well. Um, Superman. Yeah. Black suit Superman, the regeneration suit. Uh, something that we've it's been teased since the, I guess not teased, but something that's been, you know, in existence since the the rebirth of Superman is the idea that when he comes back he wears a black suit and has long hair and a beard. Uh, they didn't go all the way there in this version, but they went part of the way there with the black suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. It looks so a, cool. <laughs> as a fan of this era of Superman, it was very cool to see realized. Um, yeah, I, you know, it works. It's awesome. And and I think what works better with Superman this time around, um, you really feel his absence, uh, yes. because he's gone for so much longer of the movie. Uh, whereas like in the other version, it's like, 
oh, they've got teases of him in the beginning. You've got, you know, I feel like they're, they get, I mean, the movie's so much shorter, right? That by the time they resurrect him, it does feel like he's around more. And I think while I, I, I would, I keep debating with myself, like, was he absolutely necessary in the defeat of, of Steppenwolf? I'm not sure. But mm. I, I think the idea is that it's sort of like a, uh, what is the <laughs> double edged sword? That's the word. <laughs> yeah. That bringing him back, yes, will probably help them defeat Darkseid, but also bringing him back will also cause all of this. And, mm. you know, and that's this... what they allude to in, in Cyborg's vision. Right. And the nightmare stuff, which, ah, that, that stuff is. Yeah, that's some of the most fun of the movie. I I think you have that listed a, a little bit ahead. We're gonna. I think let's skip to that now sure. if we can. For sure. You know, in Batman vs Superman, they show you a, a dream sequence with Batman and the Flash and Superman, where you see an alternate reality where Superman is no longer the good guy, but he's an evil guy. And in this, they kind of play with that a little bit more in the epilogue sequence, the the final chapter. Uh, that is so fucking compelling. Oh my God. It sucks. I want more of that. Oh man. And that we get a tease of it in the middle when, uh, yeah. Cyborg is interacting with the mother boxes and he kind of sees a version of this future. And I mean, basically what they're telling us is that, and as they said in Batman versus Superman, that Lois Lane is the key. And while, Bruce thinks in this movie that that has to do with the fact that he, that she's the key to bringing him back now and, and like getting him his humanity back. It's clearly that she dies and, mm-hmm. and it sends Superman into a spiral, a spiral. The grief is just crazy. And that with the anti-life equation, dark side is able to control him. Yeah. It's that's the movie I want to see. That would have been um, the next one. <laughs> like, you know, it's interesting. There was a great podcast that Kevin Smith did with Mark Bernard a couple of months ago talking about the storyboards for the Snyder Cuts 1, 2, and 3, talking about what the general ideas were have. Anything I've seen after the fact has been more or less the same, so I would reference you there to go look for that than to look for more other stuff because that'll be other things. But, yeah, I think this is very compelling. I think it's very interesting to go to this scorched earth plot. I don't think it's too separate from what Thanos did. Uh, But I can understand that if you saw Thanos being corrected in a couple of movies being very simple, that dealing in this post-apocalyptic superhero future could be very, very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, what they do with Jared Leto alone is, I think, going to bring Ben Affleck back to the franchise. Oh, man. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> how vindicated must that motherfucker be? Oh, my God. Like, it's he's just... got to be walking around his place being like, do you know how happy the Internet is that I'm Batman now? <laughs> like, like, do you understand that? Do you know how happy they are? No, you don't. You I totally, love him. You don't understand. I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm not going to necessarily be like, is he better than Bale or Keaton or anything like that? But I, I think he's got a great take, and I, I really want to see more 
Um, well, this is the most comic accurate Batman we've ever seen. We've yeah. seen Batman that have been inspired by the comics. We've seen Batman trying to do what they did on television, but they've never gone after a Batman that is really inspired by what the comics books were about. And this is that. And you, we knew where all the plots were going. We saw all, where the threads were leading. And I think we were both excited, but also, um, you know, anxiously curious about what they were actually going to do. And, how vindicating it must be to be Zack Snyder and Jared Leto and Ben Affleck to sit in this moment and to say, look what we did. Look what we were going to make. Yeah. Look. Don't you want to see this? Don't you want to see this? Don't you wish you had been fucking patient, you fucks? Right. Uh, that, I think, is something you can never buy. You know, that's the kind of admission that not only did we make the characters interesting and fun, but we impacted the culture and that's what marvel did and that's what marvel does and you know that's what heath and bale did in that scene and although that scene got much bigger play i think this one i think will also stand the test of time right and this is one of those the things that was reshot or shot additional uh footage like when zach came back to do this like it wasn't I think because everything was like, eh, we're not going to get there. He's like, I at least need to have these guys on screen together. and To show you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's the most you know compelling part of the, of the thing. Yeah. Um, I was wondering right. like when we were going to get there, right? The, and it makes sense as the epilogue. I thought it was going to be somewhere else in the movie. Because like all along, we were like, this movie is going to be so different. And it's like, no, it's just at the very end. Um, he's, uh, they've got their little motley crew, uh, which like, it's super sad that Aquaman and Wonder Woman are dead. Holy crap. Um, and it like, you know, we've seen the, the footage beforehand that like Cyborg and Flash were going to be there. So that makes sense. But like Mira. Okay. And Deathstroke. All right. <laughs> like, I think the sequence is really exciting and interesting. It also shows off like Snyder's stylized vision, which I think we could totally have benefited of. And I think for an R-rated Justice League, yes, I could see it in a post-apocalyptic future where everything's going crazy. Like, that makes sense to me. I don't know if it needed to be the whole time. Uh, but another <laughs> kind of retconned... Like, would uh, we have cameo. needed three hours of that, right? <laughs> no, but another retcon, which we haven't really even talked about yet, is, uh, you know, Swanwick, a.k.a. John Jones, a.k.a. Martian Manhunter after the facto. Um, so we get a quick uh, cameo of him in the movie where he's interacting with Lois Lane. <laughs> but then you also get an additional scene with him at the very, very end where he's coming to visit uh, Ben Affleck uh, as Batman and kind of giving him a warning that, hey, we're going to need to continue to do battle further on. We've also heard from Zack Snyder today, and that is today, um, the 22nd of March, that he was originally thinking of having Green Lantern in this role and that the studio said, absolutely not. You cannot use Green Lantern um, and denied him the ability to do that. He also thought about having either Ryan Reynolds or a new John Stewart Green Lantern. Mm. Um, knowing this does cheapen it a little bit for me. Okay. But I also think that Martian Manhunter is a great and classic uh, Justice League character. And would have been super fun to see 
you know, kind of be used instead of Superman, maybe. Yeah. And like, I, I actually am okay. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I feel like I complained about the fact that like, Oh, but if he was Martian Manhunter all along, like, but I kind of, I'm okay with their explanation in that it's like, well, he wanted human, like he's been living on earth for like hundreds of years or thousands of years. Who knows how long he's been there, but he wanted humanity to kind of like step forward and do their own thing. And that's why during man of steel and, and BVS, he was just kind of pushing them along and, Eh, it kind of is like, all right, same same problem with Wonder Woman. Like, why didn't you step in when there was aliens invading the Earth? But fine. Um, I I think it works. I think the one thing that's a little iffy is like, I feel like there should have been a, a one-off line of like Lois saying, wait, oh, you got back to Smallville already? <laughs> like, and then like, what? What are you talking about? But whatever. Um, and then I, I like it at the end. I think you're right. Could he have been in place of Superman? Maybe. Uh, it just like makes me wonder, you know, like in, in the marketing for the original movie where they're talking about unite the seven, it's like, they never even like addressed it then, which like makes no sense. And that like this time around is like, okay, we actually are closer to having seven heroes. Um, which but, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just bizarre, man. I like Martian Manhunter as a character. I think he really does. He kind of plays the role of a vision mm-hmm. on the Justice League in the time when you don't have, you know, Cyborg on the team at that point. Yeah. Uh, especially in the TV show where you have this kind of like alternate weird person who's the counterpoint to what Superman and Batman are arguing about, you know, given yeah. that episode. He's been great um, on Supergirl, too. Like, I, I love that character. Oh, he's. Yeah. Martian Manhunter's on in Supergirl. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, he's like one of the main characters, and it's fantastic. Um, yeah, he's he's a great you know place to be at to to counterpoint other heroes. Like it's very important to have him. Um, I think having a Green Lantern here would have been very very cool. I think having Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern would have been so fun. This would have been a year after he did Deadpool. Um, I mean, it just would have kind of broken the internet but i understand why the studio was hesitant to go with him and i could have understood them being saying like you know what we know green lantern has good source material the main public doesn't know that yet let's keep that back for when we're gonna launch him appropriately i'm sure in the next few years yeah it'll it'll happen i mean if they can make aquaman work they can make green lantern work come on I mean, think about, and then this movie did really make me think about how much Aquaman was awesome, but that how much more Aquaman would have been awesome had this really let the tie-ins be the tie-ins. That he goes and visits Adelan, he goes and visits, um, you know, uh, getting his original armor and his mother's trident. I think that would have really helped. And, and it's set, also it sets up his movie. It's like, I gotta go talk yeah. to my dad. <laughs> Perfect. Boom. How awesome would that have been? We would have been like, hell yeah. yeah. And then you get to see him with his pops in the beginning of the movie. Great. Great. They also couldn't. I also don't think they could have known how big a success Aquaman would have been. That people wanted that return to a simple movie that didn't have all these tie-ins going on the whole time. Sure. That was just about, you know, that similar to Black Panther. I think they came out the same year that Black Panther really did stay in Wakanda. This really stays with, you know, Atlantis. Yes. Um, also, in if the, if the Zack version was canon, 
uh, Amber Heard would have had an English accent. That's right. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been weird? Like, that would have been a whole different just, movie. Yeah, I think that's playing. actually a good point. Like, let her be high class. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, why not? The other movie, she's just she's just whatever, and we're hearing a translation of their dolphin talker, however they're supposed to speak. <laughs> um, okay, All so right. we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Justice League 2 and 3. And what could be or what could and have what been. what could have been. Now, I think if me and you were to travel back in time to the parking lot of the Comac multiplex sometime between the year 2007 and 2008... I mean, like, yo, you're going to see Justice League twice, um, and it's going to be different. We would have blown our fucking heads off because that just it would have it wouldn't have been able to exist in our ideas. No, that we would that it, this would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. It's like one of them is sort of a director's cut, but it's like also not. It's kind of poor. <laughs> and it was such a unique experience. Service. I wish I had talked about this in the beginning, which was that. This is the first movie where you know what's going to happen next, but you don't. Right. Like, you're not, like, it's not that the plot, I wasn't, at a certain point, I gave up on the plot changing as much as I thought scene to scene would change. Yeah. And it was just like, prepare for what the subtleties and differences would be scene to scene rather than the story. It'll make it more fun. And it did. Yeah. Uh. But, like, going back in time and saying, like, you're going to see Justice League, but then there also could have very well been a Justice League trilogy of movies with which Darkseid's introduced, the Justice League goes to defeat Darkseid in space while recruiting the Green Lantern Corps at the same time Earth is destroyed, and then the third movie... Batman dies and life well, is restored on Earth. Yeah, they, they do time travel, Batman dies, and life is restored because the timeline is corrected. And that sounds a lot like Endgame, by the way, but that's fine. It's like We uh, couldn't have we couldn't have even understood what you were saying. Like yeah. at that point, like we had seen X-Men and we were like, yo, like they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's, like, it's like they're, they're, come on, man. Like we're just learning about Aquaman on Entourage. Can't we just watch this? You know, right? Like it, 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 it was so not about. It was about translating comic book characters to the screen, but not comic book stories. If that makes sense. Yes, exactly. It's a great way of saying it, Frank. That that we were we were looking to see our comic book heroes, people we had known and associated with, and maybe had a you know a middling understanding of their story like get a cinematic treatment like you were still looking to see why they would in you know necessitate a movie right you know like you couldn't just be batman anymore we knew that right you right. couldn't just have batman how, how many times has batman been done right at that even at that point 2007 it's like okay we've seen a lot of batman now you need a batman story you need like we need to see Flashpoint. Well, that hadn't existed yet, but we need to see Crisis on Infinite Earths or the Infinity right. Gauntlet. These things that we are like, wow, these are so cool. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, two and three, I I would hope. I think what we're getting at now is like, is the buzz around this enough to change gears and for it to actually happen? Or is it just going to end here and we'll never know? 
I think it. I think it's dead. Man. I, think, I it's think it's dead. over, and it sucks. Well, hmm. again, this was never about Zack Snyder. <laughs> I know we all want to pretend like it was, and and Warner's wants to pretend like it was. It is not. It is about bringing to the HBO, uh, HBO Max streaming service as many people as they possibly can as fast as they could with something they needed a mandalorian this is their mandalorian but now they also have brand new movies releasing like every month that are simultaneously releasing in theaters although i guess maybe they didn't know that at the time but that's a a separate that's not going to be a forever thing either comic book movie fans are separate from movie fans right like i think we kind of inhabit both areas right like we both love actual film. We love to watch real movies. We we're not shy or, or shy away from what makes the superhero films that we love good. It's because they're good films, right? Right. Like w- the difference, I think that that HBO and what Warner's is doing because they are so the counterpoint to Disney right now, because Disney's so all encompassing is that in order to launch their service, they needed a, a promising added value to bring people over while at the same time seemingly creating something for their direct fan base, right? Like, it's not that Space Jam 2 is being made because there's, like, nerds who, like, really love Space Jam to the point where, you know people reenact it you know what i mean like (laughs) that doesn't happen right but people reenact star wars people reenact comic book scenes they do cosplay they do you know comic con they go out and and do films on tiktok like it's just it's just a bigger it fandom and and warner's it has a shrinking level of fandom they lost or not did they lose they maybe outsourced Lord of the Rings to Amazon, right? However, that deal got down. Right. But what we know is that this DC, that's Warner Brothers bread and butter. You go to Warner Brothers tour, you see on the side of the of the big buildings the Justice League. Yeah. That's you a know? Great point. And this isn't the first time Justice League happened. There almost was a, a George Miller uh George Miller, the guy who directed Mad Max Road Warrior, yeah, Mad yeah. Max Fury Road. He almost made Justice League movie one off by itself in 2009. You're right. And it, it it's like I remember when that was happening and, and then it was the the buzz trying to get this version out. It's just like, oh, come on, guys. Like, we just want to want to see it. And now we've seen it. We've seen it twice. I think, unfortunately, just the way that the. The way it ended and the way that this is not really canon, although I'm sure that they can make a loophole if they wanted to. Um, there's a problem of like WB probably wanting to cut ties with with Snyder in some way that they wouldn't actually put out another movie. All the actors, like there's been so much drama behind the scenes with like with Henry Cavill and with Ben Affleck and like obviously with everything that's going on with Ray Fisher is so huge and different that like I, he's even saying that he doesn't want to work for Warner brothers. Like, 
Oh, no, this is dead. It's That's good. what's so crazy about it. Yeah. It's not that this could even happen more. It's similar to what Disney did with Star Wars. You can't make episode 10. You know what I mean? There's three. You get three shots. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I would like, what about like an animated like version or something or like a or storyboard or like, I just would love to see the, the story. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be in, in his full vision on how it would be done, but like some sort of next version of release. And it could even be on, on HBO Max. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's probably never going to happen. Think there's, I think there's more power to Zach never doing that. Um, not to say I don't want it, not to say I don't want to see it, not to say that I don't think it would be profitable. Um, I just think that Zach shouldn't do it because he was – he. why he's being celebrated here is for his vision being fulfilled. Right. And his vision being fulfilled – is whatever goofy shit he he did that he needed to do, um, that is this, right? It, it's it's it's. I think this should be the end of his time with with Warner's. I don't think he should do any more DC projects except Wonder Woman three. That's the only thing I will say. If he gets the call for Wonder Woman three, I think he should take it. He should get the money. Because <laughs> um, he gets her. He gets her. He understands how to make her. So, uh, so what do you think? Is is it going to be Flashpoint, and then they're going to reboot the Justice League, and we're going to get a different lineup? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but it's not going to be that quick. I think Affleck, the love that he's gotten and he's going to get over the next few months from this, is going to be unprecedented. And I think that we know how much crazy shit has been going on with Pattinson's Batman. Um, listen, man, everybody's Batman until they're not. That's the whole thing. So Batman, he's still meant to be Batman in, in the Flash. Yeah. Does that mean that he's going to be the end of that Batman? We don't know. Have they locked down Keaton for Batman Beyond? We don't know. We don't know. We so, don't know. So it all depends on, you know, the the future of the movies, which sadly we don't know yet because we haven't started going back. And until that really happens, you know, we don't know. That's why this whole podcast is so important. Like, it's almost a historical time capsule to say that during the pandemic, we were able to get this four-hour cut of a movie that fans had lobbied for um, to see that in reality maybe shouldn't have existed in the way that it is, but we still like it because it's inherently the same part of something that we love and somebody we love. And thus we also changed like, it's just not going to be it. You're going to need so much context to explain this to the aliens. (laughs) Well, I saw a funny meme of like, Add uh, explaining the Snyder cut to your kids as like one of the hardest things you're going to have to do. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be complicated, man. Like what? Right. Like, like, okay, guys, it's not really what happened, but it's also what could have happened because very sad things and also unfortunate things happened. And we, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm glad that, that Zach seemed to have a clear idea of where this could go. Right. Like it wasn't without 
that he didn't know the next plot and the stories he, and the characters he wanted to develop. He had a clear idea of that. He had plotted out the future of the DCEU like single-handedly whereas like like honestly like this is this is like compared to Kevin Feige, right? It just he did it in a different way and he was going to do it in his own movies instead of in, in you know solo movies. It's like, nope, this is the the team up movies. This is the the my I want to do a Superman and then I'm going to do these these days and he could care less about the rest. This is this was the 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 future and he set up all these other characters and they were going to spin off of of his central vision. And it was cool. And I I wish we would be able to see it. Um but alas. <laughs> yeah, um we need the Flash to do time travel and yeah, and help us. <laughs> we need some flash fixing. We need Henry Cavill back at least for one more movie. Hopefully Affleck returns for another film. Who knows what happens? All I know is after this the DCEU thrives with the fandom. It needs some leadership at the studio. It needs somebody who gets or understands or believes in these characters. At the very least, right? Yes. Like how much like think it about shouldn't this. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Frank. How much do you think they could they could pay Kevin Smith and say, Mr. Smith, listen, we get it. You're been with us for a long time. We want to incorporate you. We want to help you in the future. We want you to be the Kevin Feige of this universe. How much money do you think you need to think that out? He'd be like, I'll do it for 10 bucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, like, like why he- are we, why are we worried about that? Like, or, or go to somebody, go to somebody else, go to a, uh, you know, go to these go to these writers, go to the people who are writing the comics these days. Yeah. And say, guys, listen, we need five of you. We need we need two that get this character, two that get this character, one guy who does in between shit. We don't care. We just need you to understand that you are gonna be the godfathers. Like I I just don't understand why Warners hasn't thought that yet. And if anything else, I hope that they hear this podcast and they say, you know, AJ and Frank, do you guys want to try it out? We'll say, listen, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I have the figures, you know, I have some of the old books, but like, we'll, we'll take a look at it. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> we'll I give you a think, rough draft, I guess. <laughs> you know, like get, talk to somebody who's going to think 10 movies deep. Yeah. You think about 10 movies, you think about the future that gives you some kind of a way to go forward. And, and, and ultimately the story, if the stories are good and the characters are good and the movies are good, it means they make money and that's what they ultimately want anyway. And stand by your creatives. This is such the, this is the truest value of them all. The one thing that DC will always have over Marvel is the unique creatives that they bring to the directorial role that get to imprint their vision onto the franchise, onto the characters forever. Nolan, Zack Snyder, Richard Donner, Tim Burton. These are people that imprinted onto pop culture, and they will always leverage that. Remember that going, James Wan, Patty Jenkins, remember that. Always be the counterpoint. And I think with that, we've wrapped up everything we can say about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Frank, 
Is there anything else you'd like to throw in before we wrap this motherfucker up? No, I think I, I would just like to say that I enjoyed it. It was a fun experience. I enjoyed the buildup and, and watching the other movies and be able to fully see his vision through. I'm glad I did not watch the original cut uh, before it because that would have not been as, as fun. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear what maybe will, will come out of this if they can... Because we, we want to see these movies and we, we've been wanting to. And like It's been it's three and a half years since we, we podcasted about the original version of this, this movie. Yeah. And <laughs> we don't have a new one yet. And back then we thought maybe, hey, maybe by 2021 we could have another Justice League. We don't know. Sorry, guys. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. All right. Stay posted. We're covering Falcon and Winter Soldier. Episode two comes out this weekend. Season six. Season six. One of the best rolling. seasons of Long Lost Heroes podcast. That ever will be. <laughs> and with that, you can find the Long Lost Heroes podcast on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net. You can find us on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Please comment and let us know what you thought about the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Um, we hope you've all experienced it at this point after listening to the full podcast and watching all four hours and two minutes of it. Uh, and, you know, keep joining us with, like AJ said, Falcon and Winter Soldier, plenty of other stuff for the rest of the year. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm AJ. And thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye.